Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Anchor Point Church. Uh, my name is Kevin, and this is Joel, and we just want to welcome you this morning. Um, thank you so much for joining us on the YouTube channel or uh, podcast, and we just thank you so much um, for joining us through the Ephesians series. If this is your uh, first time joining us, uh, we are actually wrapping up the Ephesians series, um, but uh, take some time and head back and, and listen to the whole thing, and I'm sure you'll be blessed by it as we were, and uh, we're just very excited for what God's doing here in Anchor Point, and uh, excited to see uh, where we're going to go and how he's going to lead us. So um, if you have been uh, tithing or giving to Anchor Point, thank you so much. If you are looking for a way to do that, uh, you can do that through uh, e-transfer, and you can go to giving at apalliston.com, and you can e-transfer to that and we would be very blessed and thankful for that. Um, so this morning, again, we just want to encourage you to allow God to speak to you through the Ephesians, and uh, we just thank you so much for, um, again, joining us and partnering with us, and uh, we just want to you guys to have a, a blessed day, and uh, do you want to say bye? No? All right, well, we thank you so much again, and we just pray that you are blessed by this morning. And thank you so much again for joining us. Take care. Ephesians 6 verses 21 to 24. Tychicus, the dear brother and faithful servant in the Lord, will tell you everything so that you may know how I and what I'm doing. I'm sending him to you for this very purpose that you may know how we are and that he may encourage you peace to the brothers and sisters and love with from the god the father and the and the lord jesus christ grace to all who love our lord jesus christ with undying love this is the word of the Lord. Hey guys, what's up? Happy Sunday morning to you this fine April morning. My name's Tom, if I've not met you. Hope you guys had a good week. I mean, it snowed, so there we go. Let me give you guys a rundown of what I'm hoping to go over with us as we close up our series in um, Ephesians this morning. So the first thing I wanna do, which may seem funny to do at the end of the series, is talk through the title of the series. I'm, I'm It's hilarious. Anyways, we're gonna do that to start. Um, I'd like to, to um, share just an idea that I'm hoping will help us kind of process um, what we're going through right now as individuals and also as a culture, a society, and then look at an example of that in Scripture in the life of Paul, and then finally close with two gifts that we see at the end of, of, of the letter to, to the church in Ephesus that Paul is writing to kind of grab a hold of as we walk this out as disciples of Jesus together. And so why the title, All Things New? I think it's shorthand for uh, the story of Scripture because we, we have to remember that the story of Scripture is continual and it's, it's unified. And the story of Scripture is the story of heaven on earth being ripped apart through our rebellion into heaven and earth and God's glorious and unrelenting mission to reunite those two realms once again. So God is on this mission to redeem and restore and to rebuild everything that's been torn down and broken and to make all things new. And he's the one that's going to do that. 
we often try to do that in our own energy and strength and effort and it tends to implode on in our faces and so we try to rebuild god's kingdom without a king we want a kingdom without a king and the story of scripture what we see god's purpose is is to actually fill all the earth or all creation with his presence so we we try to progress or move forward in terms of hope and purpose and love and unity and every good thing but we often in our fallen state try to do that apart from God. And so what we as followers of Jesus, what we as Christians um, hold on to is our hope is that at the end of all time, there's going to be this glorious reuniting of heaven and earth that God initiates and fulfills. And in that space, there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And there's going to be an expression and a fulfillment and a consummation of all God's perfect justice, love, faithfulness, hope, the good news of peace, all those things are going to be actually unveiled before our very eyes in terms of what that actually looks like. A judgment will come. And in the middle of the new heavens and the new earth, there's going to be a new a city called the New Jerusalem. In the middle of that city is going to be the manifest presence of God, perfectly, totally, completely. And because of what Jesus has done for us, because of the good news that he's actually made a way back for us into the with God life, we'll live there with him in eternity for eternity, in perfect unity with God and with one another. This is our hope as followers of Jesus. This is what we cling to. And so here on earth, we are learning to live in light of that good news, and we are actually preparing ourselves for eternity. As we journey in this whole process of discipleship, we're preparing ourselves for a life eternally with God. And that starts right here and right now. So we want uh, we, we've come into contact and, and live our lives with a new king, Jesus. And with that new king comes a new kingdom where his way is, is what we follow instead of our own. And so that's, that's quite different than what we often live our lives doing. We often pursue that same desire and end goal of, of justice and peace and love and unity and, and purpose, but we do it apart from God. And so what we're often looking to and for in our fallen state is we're looking for the kingdom, but without the king. And so we're looking for those things often in temporal ideas or temporal things in, in spaces and places where God's presence is actually not there. And so this leaves us often feeling completely hopeless and like kind of we're up against a dead end. And so we might as well just eat and drink and be merry for tomorrow or we die because what is the purpose of anything? And this leads us to a sense of frustration in our relationships and in our pursuits in terms of our careers or what we're doing with our time and energy and effort and the good news is that what Paul has been talking to us about is that as we come under the authority of Scripture, as we come into the story that God offers us, an alternative story to that of the world, what we see is that there is a purpose. That God is on is taking all creation on a trajectory where actually he is filling all the earth with his presence. So what we're longing for and hoping for in terms of hope and peace and justice is actually being fulfilled more than we realize it. But are we looking in the right direction? Are we looking in the right way? Are we living our lives in light, in light of and in line with his way? Or are we trying to kind of pull him into our way? And, and, and on and on it could go. And so Paul, in this letter of, to the Ephesian church, what he's doing is he's unpacking this because he starts off his letter uh, expressing this whole idea of, of God making all things new theologically. So he talks about how from before the foundations of the world, God has had a plan that God made up his mind about you before you made up his mind, your mind about him. And that he's wanted union and closeness and, and oneness with you since before you were even formed. And that he wants 
he wants us to know what he's always known because remember our god is father son and spirit relational living in this perfect uh, union and an expression of love and relationship over and over and over for all eternity and on into the future and so he wants us to know what he's always known and that plays out in this whole idea that god wants wants a family and he wants you to be in it and so jesus comes and jesus makes a way for that to happen he he makes makes a way back for us as humanity into the with god life through his life death and resurrection and so his sacrifice pays the price he redeems us from our brokenness and our despair he delivers us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light and then paul goes on to talk about how that's fleshed out that we live in a, in a new humanity now that god has given us new brothers and sisters he's torn torn down the wall of hostility making peace and and justice is is rolling out as we kind of live lives in light of the gospel and the good news and so we have a new identity all these things are god God's storyline of him making all things new. And so that's what we're hoping for. That's what we look forward in anticipation for. But also we see that breaking in a little moments, God's kingdom coming here and now. And also this is something that's helpful for us to think through right now, because how do we live this out? This, this belief that God is actually making all things new in between, you know, God's coming and God's second coming in Jesus like we learned about last week, there, there's this continual conflict that we're living through between Jesus's first coming and his second coming. How do we live that out? And moreover, zeroing in on where we're living, what we're living through right now, how do we live through this with that attitude and aspect as we are yet again in a, in a new stay-at-home order? And yet again, as our kids aren't going back to school, and yet again, as our sense of isolation and loneliness or depression could be at an all-time high, we may, be, we may be experiencing un, unprecedented grief, you know, in our lives. And this is what we're living through culturally and communally and individually right now. And so I don't want to belabor the point and just, you know, go off about COVID. I'm sure 99.9% of all of our conversations are around this and we all have some measure of fatigue. But I think to dismiss it and pretend like it isn't what we're living through isn't helpful for us as a community or as individuals either. So... Whether we want to believe it or not, this is kind of what we're living through. We're living through a time where we need hope, right? We need a sense of God is God's purposes and plans actually being unfolded in the midst of what seems just like a really confusing and hard and difficult time. And so I want to present to you an idea. I'm, I'm working through a, a study with a couple of my buddies in the book uh, that Mark Sayers wrote on 2019. It's called uh, Reappearing Church. And this Wednesday night, we talked through the chapter, um, chapter three, and it's about this whole idea that I'm going to present to you now. And it, this is essentially a, a kind of like condensing of his thoughts from chapter three and, and kind of some Cole's notes from our discussion. It was cool because it felt like, hey, God's even speaking um, thematically through, you know, a, a, a Bible study, a book study I'm doing with a couple guys from our community. And it just tied in so well. So shout out, you know who you are from that night. And so... Um, I want to start just with us thinking about this and because there has been so much loss and frustration and confusion and disappointment and grief, like we, we are living through a difficult time. How do we make sense of that? How do we see God working in the midst of that? And so this is Mark Sayers idea that he presents to us in chapter three. And I, I would like to present the same idea to you as a way to kind of help hopefully interpret what's happening and make some sense of it. So he says this, he says, crises and the transitions they bring are one of the ways that God uses to move us. 
And I don't know if you're like me, I've always seen things like crisis or disruption or interruption as, as like signs of opposition to God's way. Like this can't be how God works. Like why would he use this to, to bring about change in me? Like why can't he just do it this way or that way? And I've often dismissed or tried to, try, tried to avoid pain at all costs and suffering at all costs or transition. I like things the way that they are. Why do they need to change? I don't know if that resonates with any of you guys. And I think what, what I'm trying to get us to think about and what Mark Sayers is suggesting in this book, I think is really accurate. He's saying, what, what if those are actually the means by which God brings about change? The whole storyline of all things new, one of the things that God uses to bring about the transition of all things new is actually these moments of crisis. So he goes on to quote uh, William Bridges, who is a, um, a psychologist, and he, he talks through these three phases of transition. And so I'm just going to go through them slowly and um, just wondering where you kind of find yourself in this, this, this idea. So the first stage of transition is this, uh, letting go of the old ways and the old identity people had. This first phase of transition is an ending and the time when you need to help people to deal with their losses. So... Probably whether we want to believe it or not, we've gone through some measure of loss and a stopping of the old way and kind of becoming normalized into this new way of doing stuff. And so there's this need to let go of the old way and the old identity that people had with it. And I'm purposely not trying to be too prescriptive here as I'm reading through this. So just bear with me as I'm just going to kind of read it through and trusting that God's spirit is going to kind of highlight and speak to you kind of what's going on in your own individual story here. Number two, going through an in-between time when the old is gone, but the new isn't fully operational. Huh. We call this time the neutral zone. It's when the critical psychological realignments and repatternings take place. So the old way is not the new way. And so there's this, we have to think differently. We're going to have to do things differently. There's a new way we have, we're, we're learning to repattern our lives in light of. And number three, coming out of the transition and making a new beginning. This is when people develop the new identity, experience the new energy, and discover the new sense of purpose that make the change begin to work. Man, just, just to get to step three would be awesome. And so I really felt this, this kind of resonating in my own heart and in my own journey of kind of processing the last year and a bit. And I think it's, it's also really cool to see how this maps out and, and transfers over into this whole idea of discipleship, of us learning to become like Jesus, of, of us letting go of our old self and stepping into our new identity in Christ. There's definitely overlap there where there's going to be, as followers of Jesus, this ongoing transition as we are letting go of the old and embracing the new, as this, this cyclical thing is happening. So what if we learn to embrace these crises or these transitions as a gift from God rather than something to be pushed against? And Sayers goes on to suggest a few more things. He says, what transitions do is they force us to align ourselves with God and God's purposes. Yet, transitions also operate as gateways of possibility. As with any gateway, we can choose not to pass through them. Transition gateways are where we often get stuck. We must see these as important and crucial to our growth. And when I read that and I was thinking about it, you know, in prepping for, for this message, I thought about Jesus talking in Matthew 7 and he says this, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. There's, there's a recognition we have to make as we follow Jesus in his way is that 
There's no promise of things being easy. There's no promise of things making perfect sense and, and just absolutely lining up. But there's this trust and, and faith that we have that our rabbi, our king, is actually good. That we're going to go where he's going. That he's worth following even when it's difficult. And I, I don't know why this image came to mind thinking about this. And in, in, in like, you know, the, the beginning of summer when you go to the beach for the first time with maybe you're going with a couple friends. And um, <clears throat> we live in Canada, if you don't know that. Um, but... Uh, the water's cold often here. And you know, like you go and there's always the first kid or the first guy, first person from your from your group of people that you're with, and they go in the water. And the rest of the, the, the crew is kind of just sussing it out. Like, I don't know if I really want to go in. Like, how cold is it? You're trying to talk to the person who's already in the water. Now, like in Celsius or Fahrenheit, like how, how cold do you think it is or whatever? And I think that's often what we do is we kind of rationalize and we want to make sure that it's worth it before we actually step into the transition. Like, can you guarantee this is going to be worth it? Can you guarantee I'm going to be okay? Can you guarantee I'm not going to freeze my butt off as I go in the water? But what transitions are, are, are these times where God is actually offering us the, the chance to go deeper with him. He's actually in the water calling us out like, hey guys, come on, come on, come on out here. Let's go. But what, what's happening in these moments, and, and I think I'm speaking from my own experience, like this is often how I do it, deal with stuff, is I, my own eyes and my own heart and my own wisdom, it, it fails me because I can't perceive that God is actually out there. He's actually doing something. I feel often alone or abandoned or left behind, like God must have kind of given up on me rather than realizing that God is out there in the water beckoning me deeper. And though, although the waves of God's presence aren't washing up on the shore as, as I'm, you know, experiencing whatever trial or tribulation, there's this promise that out there beyond where the waves are breaking, there's this wave of his presence that's building power and energy and strength that will again come up onto the shore and wash over me. And it will all make sense and be clear. And so what, what I think of often in that is that the song that we sing, Waymaker, even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I can't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. So we have to remember this ties into the all things, no idea. God has his plan, right? To reunite heaven and earth. And he's doing more than we think, more often than we think he is. We have to remember too that, at the, at, that God allows crisis, both crises, both personal and culturally to drive us back to him. God's purpose and plan and hope for you has always been relationship with him, intimacy, closeness with him. So I'm going to use whatever I can to get you close to me. I'm going to be able to redeem whatever, you know, thing is going on in the world to draw you closer to me if you will let me. In, in, in choosing whether or not we're going to enter into the, the transition or not, we have this, this question that we kind of have to wrestle through. And I think just painting a picture of both choosing to and choosing not to, then choosing not to enter into these transitions or seeing them as such, we just continue with the status quo. We plug ourselves essentially into the anti-renewal machine. You know, we're, we're kind of going in the opposite direction of God yet again, where business is just as usual. There's the satiating of consumer Christianity, the mere provision of pleasing religious goods and services. It, it will see us infected and eventually cause us to die of, at the toxicity, toxicity in the system of the culture. Or again, we're, we're pursuing progress apart from God's presence. We want the kingdom without the king. And as we choose to actually engage and step through into the transition, into the crisis, as we respond to God's beckon to come deeper into the water, 
we, we see that the old ways that we used to do stuff, they actually are removed from us. And that's a good thing. As, as God kind of strips things back more and more and more, we can, like Peter did, say, say, say to Jesus, Lord, to whom shall we go? Because you have the words of eternal life. There's this ongoing peeling back for us to realize that everything we actually need and hope for is found ultimately in God. So a question that summarizes all these ideas I want us to really ponder and think through for the remainder of our time is this. What if stepping through the unlikely doorway of crisis leads us directly into the throne room of God? What if stepping through the unlikely doorway of crisis leads us directly into the throne room of God? So let's think about that for a second. I'm just going to check that this is still filming because my phone died twice. Okay, still filming. This is my third full take. Um, so what if stepping through the unlikely doorway of crisis leads us directly into the throne room of God? So let's look at an example of someone stepping into and engaging with crisis and transition in the biblical narrative. And let's look at Paul, the author of this letter that we've been reading. Um, and many of you guys would have read this this week in our Bible reading plan, but this is the, the beginning of, of Saul's conversion to starting to follow the way of Jesus. So let's read together. This is from Acts chapter 9. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues of Damascus. So that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus, and for three days he was without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Paul is in the beginning phases of an undeniable crisis, like his literal sight is removed. And what we see here is that his life was heading on a certain trajectory, opposing God's way completely and totally. And what we see is Jesus actually disrupting his plan with a very clear and discernible crisis. A crisis of, crisis of ultimately identity, of purpose, of faith, of ideology, and much more. So Saul goes on, he, he literally loses his sight. <clears throat> he goes, he has to go for three days, he's without sight. He goes and finds this guy, he prays for him, and his sight comes back. He starts to kind of process what Jesus just was communicating to him. He goes and then eventually people are plotting to kill him. He has to run away. He has to hide in the desert. His life is just one crisis after the other. And so I want to read um, a few uh, more of Paul's own words expressing this. And also I want you guys to know below in the show notes, I've attached a timeline of Paul's life. If you want to dive deeper into this, there's some pretty interesting stuff there, but I'm not going to get through all of it, but just a couple of things. So this is Paul talking about his life. I've been through many imprisonments with countless beatings and often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers and toil and hardship. 
through many a sleepless night in hunger and thirst, often without food and cold and exposure. And apart from other things, there is the daily pressure of me, of my anxiety for all the churches. Crisis after crisis, transition after transition. And then later on in one of his other letters, he says, all of Asia has forsaken me. Man, that would be a crisis. You'd be grieving all kinds of stuff. All of these were a means, though, that God used to move Paul closer to himself. There's this ongoing thread and storyline that all of these things were for God's glory and for Paul's good somehow. He goes on in his uh, letter to the church in Philippi. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. You see, Paul, Paul trusted in the story of Scripture. He trusted in the God who is revealed in the story of Scripture. That, that storyline of God making all things new is real. And so he was, he was able to process letting go of the old and embracing the new. He was willing to kind of go through that over and over and over again, the crisis and the transition, and seeing God's hand moving in the midst of it. He opened himself up to the transitions and crises as a means to the storyline of all things new unfolding. The question for us guys today is, will we do the same? Because in this world, we will have trouble, but take heart because he has overcome the world. You know, there's, we talked about this last week. There is an ongoing conflict that we're living in as followers of Jesus. So as we think about this question and how it applies to us right now, as we are undeniably living through some type of transit transition or crisis on some type of level, there are two keys for us that are, and, and gifts that I want to kind of encourage us with as we kind of close our, our study in the, in the book of Ephesians. So if you guys have your Bible, let's go ahead and open up to Ephesians chapter six, and we're going to read through the four verses together. So I'm going to start with verses 21 and 22 and talk through the first gift and then finish with the last two verses in the second gift. So chapter six, verse 21. So Paul is basically, he's been dictating this letter to this guy named Tychius, and he's like, hey, let me finish this off. I'm going to take the pen. I'm going to finish this last little bit myself. So that, you, so that you also may know how I am and what I'm doing, Tychius, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. So the first gift I want us to focus on and be grateful for together as we transition through this together as individuals and as a community is that God has given us the gift of real friendship for the journey of discipleship. God has given us the gift of real friendship for the journey. First of all, God has made a way for us in friendship with himself through what Jesus has done. We're, we're able to, to relate to God as friend now. And so that's incredible. So the, the, the vertical idea of friendship and relationship has been reconciled in through what Jesus has done, through his life, death, and resurrection. But what I want to talk about this morning is, is the gift of horizontal friendship, the gift of friendship with one another. And so we see and we glean from this and other writings in the New Testament that Paul and Tychius, they went through a lot of these crises and situations together is they are undeniably following after what God has called them to do, to proclaim the gospel to the Gentiles. There's all kinds of trials and tribulations that happen. As they fulfill and partner with God in his mission to see his, his presence fill up all the earth, that, that they had all kinds of ups and downs. And so along the process of this, Paul, you know, his friendships with Tychius and with Timothy and with Titus, we see that Paul was open. 
Paul, Paul lived an open life with people. And so Paul was able to process this, these transitions and these crises, I think in real time with people that he trusted, people with like hearts that were aligned with God's purposes. And that is an incredible gift because friendships, as you know, as you, as you go through difficult times, are, when you feel the value of friendship is, is most often in and through those trials and tribulations that you go through. Proverbs 17, 17 says this, a friend is always loyal and a brother is born to help in time of need. And so we often, you know, probably in the last year, um, don't even realize how to the depth, the depth to which we're, we're probably grieving regular friendship and regular rhythms of friendship that maybe we, we just grew accustomed to. The ability to see one another and have people over for dinner. The ability to go to school and see your classmates. All those things have been disrupted in the last year as we've gone into social distancing and lockdown and stay-at-home orders. And, and so maybe you haven't even really been able to name that yet. Just that, that, that loss of friendship, that loss of regular connection and living openly with other people, you know, things like community group in our, in our, for our church or regularly gathering on Sunday mornings, that's definitely a loss that is real and to be grieved. And I feel that, like, I think I, I long for the day where I can just have a bunch of people over in our backyard again. I miss that. I miss you guys that way. But I, I want us, I want us to, to, to remember that there, there, there is a gift here for us that although we can't, do it the old way, that there is a new way. And so how can you think creatively about um, engaging with this gift that God's given you? How do you? How can you think creatively about how to, how to connect with people that you love and trust so that you can continue to live openly as you process through this trial and crisis as, and transition with people that you love and trust? And what I love here is that the depth to which Paul is living openly with Tychius is evident because he's saying, hey, listen, I trust Tychius enough to come to you and accurately express how I'm doing. I trust him. He knows he knows what's going on inside me so he can go and tell you on my behalf. And that's that's incredible. That's the type of friendship I long for. One that's open and and I trust the people I'm living life with to be able to accurately um, communicate what's going on in my life. But that requires me to live openly, first of all, and bring other people into my story. So a question for you is, does anyone else know how you're doing? Does anyone else know how you're doing? Could someone accurately communicate the state of your heart? And again, guys, my tone here, I hope I'm not coming through as, as like condemning or indicting you. It's just like a, hey, remember, there's this gift of friendship there. And although it's different and we have to be more creative about it, don't forget don't forget this whole beautiful gift of friendship. So does anyone know how you're doing? Does anyone know how you're doing? Can anyone else articulate the state of your heart? All right, let's read the last two verses of Ephesians together. Peace be to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with you all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. The second gift I see in, in just for us as we continue our process of discipleship, is the invitation to ongoing daily dependence on God. This is so refreshing if we start if we start to think about it. So Paul is saying, hey, listen, peace, love, faith, grace be with you all, because it's all from God the Father and Lord Jesus Christ. And here's here's the good news for us this morning. We all long for peace and love and for grace and for faith to be manifest in our lives and in the lives of the people we love and care about. 
But here's the good news. It's not up to you to make that happen. You can be a vessel through which that flows, but it's not up to you to manufacture that yourself. And so what God is saying is, is listen, it's okay to need me. It's okay. I've actually created you that way. You need me. Jesus talks about this in John 15 about abiding. Is it? listen, you can't do anything apart from me. And that's okay. And this is counterintuitive because often we think the more mature we become in our in our lives, that the less we should need God. And actually the, the absolute opposite of that is true. The more I know God, the more I need God. The more I know myself, the more desperately I know I need God. And so don't, don't fall into that trap or that wrong way of thinking that, okay, if I'm going to mature, that means I need God less. Or if I'm going to really, you know, help the people I love and care about, I need to manufacture these things for them. Here's the good news, guys. God is saying, hey, listen, depend on me. I've made you to depend on me, connect with me, be with me. And I want to be the source of all the things that you need because everything you lack, I have in abundance. Living that way of, of us needing to be the source of all this stuff leads to anxiety that is beyond comprehension. And Jesus addresses this in the Sermon on the Mount where he's saying, hey, listen, look at the lilies. Look at the sparrows. Like, look how God clothes them and takes care of them. How much more will he love you? How much more will he clothe you? Don't be anxious because, you know, being anxious, it can't add a single hour to your life. But, but respond to the gift of, oh man, I can just continually go to the source of all grace and love and peace in Jesus. What we're looking for, guys, is only found in God. God graciously, lavishly gives grace, peace, love, and faith. So in conclusion, guys, this is what I kind of want us to, to land with this morning. The first thing I want you to, to hopefully take through from this is we're, is we're hopefully getting somewhere and thinking through where we're at, is I want you to take the time to name the stage of transition that you're in. And I'll, I'll post those notes below in the, in the show notes, kind of those three phases of transition. And I want you to think through, okay, what, what, are, what are the things that, I, that I, I need to let go of? What are the things that I've lost? What are the old identities that I'm still trying to hold on to and live into because the old way is not the new way. There is un undeniably a new way that God is calling us to live as disciples, but also culturally, you know, 2021 is not the same as 2020 or 2019. So take the time to name the stage you're in. Take the time to process what you're grieving, what you've lost. Work that through with God. And then the next layer to that, you know, as you're working that through on the vertical level, on the horizontal level, I want you to think of someone that you, 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 feel safe to trust with the, with that information. Hey, I want you to know how I'm doing. This is, these are the things I'm, I've lost this year that I'm grieving, or this, these are the new patterns I'm trying to see formed in my life. Can you hold me accountable? These are the new ways of thinking I'm trying to implement. Can you help me? Can you encourage me? And vice versa. I want you to hopefully take the same time to listen to the person who's called you or texted you or asked you to go for a walk and listen to where they're at. Because guys, the gift of friendship is so necessary as we journey with God through this whole life of preparing for eternity in, in, in light of, of the good news that God is making all things new. So step one, take the time to name the stage of transition you're in. Number two, tell someone that you trust. And then number three, I want to encourage you and implore you and exhort you to, to take seriously um, prioritizing time with God specifically prayer. And as you're praying, I want you to unabashedly and unashamedly ask God for the things that you need. When you're feeling anxiety, God, would you please give me peace? 
where you're feeling fear, God, please flood me with your love. Show me that I can trust you. Where you're feeling this need to kind of prove yourself or make things happen, may he remind you of his grace. And so this is a time to plug our prayer meeting that we started on last Monday night. So we're tomorrow night, Monday night, we're going to be praying again on Zoom. And last week, guys, was undoubtedly the best Zoom prayer meeting I think we've ever had as a community. And I'm, I'm, I'm so grateful for God's grace as he's kind of leading us through this time as we're coming together with hearts open, open Bibles. He's speaking to us. He's encouraging us. And I want to invite you to come like it's there's, it's not a big deal in terms of like you don't need to show up with everything figured out in your heart. You should come as you are. And we want to just pray together through some type of theme um, together and just trust that God is going to want to speak to us. And so that's in addition to this third point. I want you on your own to spend time this week just praying and asking God, Lord, show me your grace. I need that. Show me your peace. Show me where you're working, where, where even where I can't see it, Lord. Or help me trust you even though I can't see it. And so, guys, I, I want to I wanna close with this. I want you to know that I, <clears throat> I am with you in walking this through. First of all, I love you. And I, I wish I could fix all of this for you guys. I wish I could go solve COVID and, and make us be able to come together as a community again and have you all over for dinner and listen to everything that's going on in your life honestly. Um, but, but I want you to know too that I'm right there with you. I'm processing my own losses and grief and I'm processing my own confusion about what God is doing in the midst of this stuff and my own fear and trepidation about actually entering into transition and all that kind of stuff. But just know that if, if you need anything, if you need someone to talk to, if you are feeling lonely, whatever it may be, we will do our absolute best as a community to meet that need. So if, if you need something and, you, and you're, you, you kind of feel like you don't know how to communicate that, um, I would just encourage you that, that we as a community want as best as we can to love and support one another on this journey of becoming like Jesus. And we also acknowledge that this is a time unlike any other, or at least for most of us that we've lived through. And so specifically, if you're feeling lonely and isolated, please reach out to us. We would love to connect somehow, whether that's on the phone or some type of FaceTime or Zoom, or maybe we could go for a walk, whatever that would be. If, if that's you this morning, please email info at apallison.com, and we will try to figure out a way to get in touch with you and connect with you. But guys, I am, I am more than I have been in a long time sensing God is moving and doing something in the midst of this. That if and when we continue to say yes to God's um, invitation to come deeper, as we step through that unlikely doorway of crisis directly into the throne room of God, that he's going to continue to shape us and form us more and more into the image of Jesus, that we'll be able to grab a hold of that storyline that actually, no, God, you are making all things new. Even though I can't see it, even though I don't feel it, I can trust you. And so, guys, I bless you. I encourage you. I'm with you in this as we continue to journey and partner to the best of our ability to, to see God's kingdom come in Allison as it is in heaven. So I pray that today you have a great day and that you enjoy God's presence like you never have before. And hopefully I'll see every single one of you in our Zoom room will be overflowing on Monday night. But just know this, guys, I love you. And more importantly, God loves you and he is for you and he is with you and he is going to work all things together. So bless you. Have a great Sunday.